Good morning, First Covenant Church. My name is Pastor Jody. It's 1025. Um, we're going to enjoy uh, five minutes of an organ prelude by Jane. But a way that I want you to engage. Lately, when you get on Facebook chat, everyone says hello, you know, and you name who's here. So let's engage in a slightly different way today. And I want you to, instead of saying hello or greeting, I want you to say, name one thing that you can do now that you couldn't do a year ago. And if you want to sign someone's name in your family, you can do that or you can leave it blank. But name one thing that you can do now that you couldn't do one year ago. So that could be COVID related or something altogether different. And I'll go first. Uh, for me, I couldn't run a serger a year ago, but I am learning how to do that now. Maybe a year ago you couldn't hold your baby grandchild and now you can. Or maybe you couldn't run a mile a year ago and now you can. Whatever it is, um, name one thing that you couldn't do a year ago that you can do now.
morning, First Covenant Church, and everybody joining us online this morning. We're doing church online again. We're glad that you're here with us, joining us to worship and praise the Lord with in any way that we can this morning. And we can do that loudly in your living room. We can do that loudly in this room, and we can be together even when we're apart. Let me give you a couple announcements this morning as we begin. The first is, uh, if you are a guest with us, please use our connection form that's online. Uh, it's on our website. It'll also, you'll see it in the Facebook comments momentarily here. Um, you can let us know that you're here. And if you're a first time guest, we have a tradition of giving a star, not Starbucks, whoa, hold on, a Scooters gift card to you. And we send it to you if you just give us your information. We're glad that you're with us this morning. We also, if you go on the website, you can see that there's a prayer requests box uh, we don't want to miss the fact that our leadership uh, and the church wants to continue to pray in this time. So if you have prayer requests for the whole body, please go on the website or get on our email list and we'll send you out the link so that you can send us the prayer requests. We want to continue to pray in that way. Which is the second thing. If you're not on our email and text list, please go ahead and get on there. That's also on our website. But if you're on Facebook, as I know you are right now, if you click that sign up button at the very top of our Facebook page, that'll take you there to sign up uh, and make sure that you're getting our emails and texts so that you can stay informed during this time. Third thing, I want to say thank you for those who continually have given throughout all of this. You've given online, you've sent in checks, you've gone and set up bill pay through your financial institution. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the continued generosity. Even when we're apart, we recognize that the mission continues. Uh, church is not just an online experience on Sunday, but we worship, we worship together, but we also serve together as the body of Christ. And we give out of a grateful heart to contribute to that. And I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful for you. The last thing to point out is, uh, as far as some fellowship after worship today, last week we tried a Zoom coffee call uh, where we keep people could kind of connect with one another after the service. We're going to do that again. Sherry Erickson will be our moderator this week facilitating some conversation. Uh, the link, again, it went through the email, but we'll make sure that you get it through the Facebook comments. And we'll remind you at the end of the service that you can join in that conversation with Sherry Erickson and many other of your beloved church family members. Let's go ahead and let's worship together the Lord through song. Feel free to sing loudly in your living room this, living room this morning. Whether you're ready for the day or in your pajamas, doesn't matter. You can praise the Lord however you are this morning. Let's praise together.
In Jesus Christ's name, we offer this prayer, and we pray together as you taught your disciples, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. At this time, I want to invite the children to step towards the screen just a little bit closer and moms and dads or grandparents can step on back. I've got with me today a deck of cards and I'm going to go through this deck and pick a card. And kids, I want you to see if you can guess what card I am holding. See if you can look into my mind and figure out what number, if you can guess the number of the card I'm holding. I'm not going to show it to you, so you need to guess. Let me see here. If I find, oh, this looks like a good one. How about this one? What number am I holding right now? Can you guess? Do you have any idea what number? Oh, did you say that again? A four? How did you know that? There's, uh, how, would you, how would you know that? Look at this deck. There's nothing that would give it away that that was a four. So how did you read my mind so well? Uh, let's try it again. Maybe you just got lucky with that one. Let's see if you can guess a different number. Um, let's see here. How about, let's try this one. Now there's nothing, what number do you think this would be? You got a good guess? There's no writing on the back. What are you talking about? How did you know this was a six? You got to be kidding me. You are good. You're crazy good to know that this is a six. All right, I told you there was nothing on the back of these cards. I've looked over and over and I see nothing on the back of these cards. One more time, we'll see if you can get this or not. Uh, third time's the charm, they say. Maybe you'll get it wrong on the third one. See if you can figure this one out. What number am I holding? Any guesses? How did you know? That's so silly. It's ridiculous that you can guess this number. You did it three times in a row. How in the world did you know what number I was holding? Oh, there's writing on the back. I didn't realize that. No wonder you knew what number it was. You know what? After Jesus' resurrection, the disciple Thomas wanted to see Jesus, and he wanted to see Jesus with the nails in his hands and the, the mark on his side, and that was how Thomas was going to know it was Jesus. There were a lot of people around saying they were Jesus, but Thomas wanted to see Jesus alive after his death. And Thomas saw the nails when Jesus died. He saw the sword go into Jesus' side. So Thomas just wanted to see what everyone else saw. And when Thomas saw the proof, and he saw Jesus, he with the nails and the mar nail marks and the scars, he knew it was Jesus, and he proclaimed, my Lord and my God. Thomas believed, 
And the passage from the Bible that Pastor Evan is going to preach on today talks about, it says, although you've never seen him, you love him. Even though you don't see him now, you trust him. And we cannot actually touch Jesus like Thomas did, but we still believe just like Thomas. It's kind of like the easiest marked card deck around. We know that Jesus is real. And it was so obvious for Thomas once he saw Jesus the first time. We know that Jesus is real and it's so, so much joy comes to us. Too much joy for words because Jesus is alive and Jesus is real to us. Would you pray with me? Dear Jesus, thank you that you help us accept by faith that you have risen from the grave and you are alive. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Greetings again, everybody. Let's read our scripture for today. It's listed as 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9, but I'm just going to start at verse 1 and go through 9 this morning. We're starting a sermon series that will go from now until almost the end of May, looking through the book of 1 Peter. Peter writes at the beginning, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have, to have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. While the title this morning is from refinement or resurrection to refinement, it could easily have simply been great mercy. Peter talks about it right there in verse 3. And uh, I have the, the great joy of working with our middle school students through confirmation. And a great question was asked, I think, that relates to this passage this morning when it comes to mercy. But I want to start with the less relevant question first, just because it's fun. One other question the confirmation students asked this year. Somebody asked, why didn't God just leave the trees out of the Garden of Eden? Which I think is just a great question to ponder. It seems like it would have solved a lot of problems. 
But for our purposes this morning, the relevant question for us, and, and it's really a good one from a middle schooler, is what is the difference between grace and mercy? What is the difference between grace and mercy? Now, grace, if we define that, and I'll use Easton's Bible Dictionary, it does it very well. It says grace is, in the case of God, it's God's loving action towards creation and human beings in particular. And grace, by its very nature, is selfless. It's something done on behalf of another person, but not to get benefit. So you can see in, in that definition of grace, which I think is accurate, grace is a pretty big, broad idea. That, that somehow some loving or blessing is given for all kinds of different reasons. Mercy, however, is a specific application or type of grace. So it falls under the category of, of grace. Mercy is grace extended that alleviates misery or rescues someone or frees someone from the consequences of judgment. So you can give out grace, and you're not necessarily rescuing someone, you're, you can just bless somebody. Mercy specifically is rescuing somebody out of a predicament. From judgment, whether they caused it themselves, or misery, whether they caused it themselves or not, it's pulling them out of the pit, basically. A great biblical passage that illustrates this is Ephesians 2, 4 through 5. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Peter then uses that as he begins to talk about the power of the resurrection in those who believe. In, back at verse 3, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his what? In his great mercy. He has given us new birth into a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. There's a lot that's provided then through God's mercy. And that mercy is provided through the resurrection, which we celebrated last week on Easter Sunday. Now, if we look at what happened regarding the resurrection, uh, Jesus suffered painfully, died on the cross, was buried, and then three days later he came back to life by God's power. That's the resurrection, that part. That by God's power, not by some natural means, but by supernatural, by God's working, Jesus was raised from the dead. And it wasn't a simple resuscitation. He'd been dead for a while. And there's something different about Jesus when he comes back. There's something different about the resurrected Jesus. In some way, it's the same basic material, but reworked a little bit and continuing to be reworked through the resurrection. Peter's claim then here, he talks about this new birth. He's saying that through the resurrection, you can become that same kind of new creation with a living hope, not a dead hope. If we translate that into a simple point, it is what God did with Jesus is what God wants to do with those who receive his mercy. God wants to make you into a new creation. That's what Peter's telling us. Now, when we look at who Peter is writing to, we can get a little bit of an idea of how God is going to work that out. Uh, if we look at who Peter's writing to, he's writing to people who, right here on the map, are in Asia and are in Cappadocia and Galatia, Pontus and Bithynia up here. Jerusalem is down here, 
and Rome would be on page 260 over here if the map went that far. So they're right in between these two, the capital of the Roman Empire and the sort of the epicenter of the Jesus movement, all right there. They're in between that. And in many ways, they feel like they're on the fringes of that, of both of those things, especially the Roman Empire. They're, they're kind of at the edge of everything that's going on, and they feel that as a people. Peter's writing to these people in about the year A.D. 60, and so they're actually beginning to start to experience some persecution in that time, too. That's what he's writing about. He's writing to them as they begin to face these trials under the Emperor Nero. They haven't gotten as bad as they'll get, but they're, getting, uh, they're starting to feel that pressure. Peter's also writing in a time, in a, in a place, and in a culture that has no place, really, for the ideas of grace and mercy. Those are weakness in the culture that Peter's writing to. Those aren't strength. And in fact, showing mercy could be, uh, have, have grave consequences for someone. To put yourself out like that and not get anything in return. Now, I want to point out, as we consider 1 Peter over these next weeks, we're not suffering like these believers were. We're having a hard moment, but we're not suffering like these believers were. There are many around the world who do today suffer like these believers did. They continue to live in parts of the world, countries, or regions where mercy is considered weakness. They live in parts of the world where they can be socially pressured to give up on Jesus Christ, culturally pressured to give on give up on Jesus Christ. They could be thrown into prison or worse for their faith in Jesus Christ. It's still a real problem in the world that people still are facing these kinds of pressures like Peter is writing about here. But yet in these same places where people feel pressure, where grace and mercy are not valued uh, uh, parts of culture, these same believers show grace and mercy in spades. Why? Because they receive God's mercy. And they are being made into a new creation by the power of the resurrection. What God did with Jesus is what God wants to do with all those who will receive his mercy. He's doing it with these believers who suffer around the world, and he wants to do the same thing with you and me. And that, that issue of suffering and struggle and difficulty in growing in the faith, Peter talks about that in verse 7, using the example of being refined like gold. He says, These trials, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold which perishes, even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Amen. He's talking about gold, when it gets purified. And when it's purified, those parts of, of the gold that aren't pure, thus purification, are removed. In the purification process, if you put it in spiritual terms, it's being made holy. And when you take out those impurities, it's now malleable. It can be shaped into something new. It's a powerful image Peter is using. And, and in order to get to that point where you can remove the impurities with any precious metals, you have to heat it to a molten state so that it's basically a liquid. And in that state, then the impurities rise to the surface or to the edge in some way outside of the precious metals, and they can be skimmed off, poured off, evaporated. Uh, they can be pulled off once it hardens again. 
all kinds of different ways, but you get the idea that, that it has to be subjected to basically a level of suffering, some heat, in order to get the impurities out. In 1 Peter 1.6 then, Peter tells us, uh, in all these you greatly rejoice. All the promises that come with be the new birth and the living hope and the resurrected life, in all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. And I think we need to recognize then what Peter is saying in its fullness, suffering and hardship can make us more like Jesus. If we'll allow them, suffering and hardship can make us more like Jesus. And I think to a degree we get suffering and hardship in many areas of life. We understand it when it comes to education. We understand that you're going to be challenged to become something more if you're going through an educational process. You learn, you grow. And we have a whole lot of respect for someone like uh, that comes from uh, low means and makes their way to the top, like an Einstein who, who struggled and had trouble. And then we recognize that person as one of the smartest in modern history who, who struggled and worked at it. We say, yeah, we champion that. We think that's great. We want to be uh, like an Einstein in that way. In sports and in exercise, we watch and re-watch movies like Rocky or something like that because we have respect for the training that goes into something difficult, especially, again, kind of the rags-to-riches kind of story that's there, coming from nothing and training for things. In society, in justice, we recognize the struggle and the efforts of someone like Dr. King, and we emulate that. We want to continue that work. In relationships, even, we get the idea of adversity, that adversity in relationships can make us stronger together. We understand all those things, but sometimes I don't think we easily apply the struggles and the growth that can come in no pain, no gain and exercise with this relationship with God. Sometimes I think it's easy to forget that when we go through hard times, this relationship can be strengthened. And the one relationship that's over all others, that's most essential, that matters more than anything else. Sometimes I don't think we easily apply the suffering piece, the, the spiritual training piece, the difficulty, the challenge that that can impact in a positive way our relationship with God, especially through Jesus Christ. And I think if we don't recognize that, then when suffering and difficulty come, we can end up regretting the time lost that didn't strengthen that relationship. Could it be that adversity could move us closer to God? Could it be that adversity can make us more like Jesus? Could it be that adversity can shape us into who God wants us to be? Or is this relationship just an add-on and the icing on the cake to a life that could go with or without it? When hardship comes, we could disregard this relationship because we have everything else in order. So we think. We are enduring hardship right now. I don't want to ignore that. I'm not saying we're not. We're not suffering for our faith though right now. So I want to be careful that we don't enter too deeply into that. But we are enduring hardship and that can shape us. It can shape us positively or negatively. More like Jesus or less like Jesus. So the question we can consider is, how could God use this time to make me more like Jesus? One thing Peter is telling us most uh, assuredly is we need to receive God's mercy in order for that to happen. 
If that's not something you've done, that's where it starts. You need to receive God, God's mercy. If that's something that is hard for you, even though you've received it in the past, that it's, it's hard and you kind of ignore it right now, we need to consider the, the basic building blocks of your proximity to God. Prayer, reading scripture, those kinds of things will help and build those things and bring us close to God. But we also need to recognize that we need to accept hardship, believing that God is with us through it as we do that. We need to recognize that, that there's an end result of our faith, and we need to have that living hope in God's work through any suffering that comes. And sometimes when suffering comes, we can set our hope too low in order to get through it. We can set our hope on money, on the stimulus check, on what we are or aren't receiving uh, through our salaries or whatever the case might be. We can set our hope on family and family time and who our family is and who they mean to us. We can set our hope on our work and our identity on our work and those kinds of things. And those are all good things, but those aren't a living hope. Those are a lower hope. We need to set our, our hope on something much higher in times of adversity so that God can shape us and make us like Jesus Christ if we receive his great mercy. We need to trust that God is with us because what God did through Jesus Christ is what God wants to do with you. He wants to make the dead into the living and take a hope that's too low and raise it to a living hope. Let's pray together. Lord, I'm so grateful that you sent Jesus Christ, and I pray that in your great mercy, you rescue us. That we recognize what that grace looks like, that we put ourselves in your care with great trust, and that as we do struggle through adversity right now, as we do feel pressure and new pressures and different pressures, that in fact we would be shaped into the image of your Son, that the impurities would be removed in this process so that we could look more like you each and every day. Lord, help us put our hope in you. If we haven't received your mercy, help us put those things away that try and take our attention from you. And Lord, I ask that we would say yes to your mercy today, yes to your son, Jesus Christ, yes to the resurrection power and the power that only he can work in us to make us more like our creator again and remove the impurity and the stain of sin. Lord, I pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.
video games and riding our bike outside as much as we can find hope in um, Jesus Christ and our family and appreciating uh, what's what we have um, and recognizing that not everyone is has the same blessings but God is with us and God is faithful to us even when we find ourselves unfaithful so I'm going to invite you to sing our final closing song for worship this morning and we'll take care of our technology here thank you sharps isn't that easy just wheel them right away um, if you want to stand if you want to raise your hands however you want to worship God this morning let's sing our closing song Now we
grace and peace be ours in abundance in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. May we be thankful for simple things, for friendship, for health, for daily bread, for good news. May the refining fire of suffering serve to purify your faith, leading you in your hardest moments back into the arms of our Savior. Above all, when times are tough and you fear that you might be crushed under the weight of trials, may the living hope we hold in Jesus Christ, who at the last day will make all things new, may that hope allow you to rejoice in anticipation of our God, who will eternally dwell among his people and will wipe every tear from our eyes. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace and hope today and always. Amen. Mm -hmm.